Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to be speaking from Matthew 6. And if you're not familiar with Matthew 6, it has um, this section in Scripture what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to read from verse 5. And this is where I'm not going to go anywhere else. I'm just going to stay here. And in verse 5, it says this in Matthew 6. And it'll go up on the screens in a second. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things of you have need of before you even ask him. Therefore, do not be like them. I've read that before. In this manner, verse 9, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And can I get an amen? Amen. I, I love that scripture. The thing about the, the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's, not, it's not like, um, you know, there's an, I guess there's an order to it in terms of how we approach prayer, but it's not, it's not like a model prayer as such. It's more of a mandate. The, it's not a, a model, it's more of a mandate. Like, this is your way of commanding the heavens to come into your life. It's actually where you're, you're actually commanding God. There's no, there's no pleasing in this prayer. It's actually a declaration that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Not like, can I please have some bread because I'm hungry? No, give us this day our daily bread. We're commanding God to release the heavens over us. So my message tonight is titled, Shut the Door, Open the Heavens. Shut the door, open the heavens. Because prayer, this is the truth, prayer makes us a boss in this earth. Prayer gives us the authority to make heaven a reality on earth. Now that is incredible. Prayer turns us into a boss. And Junction Church, tonight, no matter what your life is like, whatever you think of your prayer life, tomorrow you can be a boss. Tomorrow you can take authority in the grounds that God is leading you to. Tomorrow you can be a different person. The old is gone. The new is here because you've brought it down from heaven. The new is here. It's time for you to be a boss. Now, I don't know if you have much experience about bosses. I mean, I'm looking around the room. There's a few people older than me, so you'll have more experience. But the, um, the past few bosses I've had, when I first started working full-time in um, the oil industry, and uh, he was a Yorkshire guy. Um, he really nice guy. He's probably my favorite ever boss. But he uh, he smoked like a chimney. So like he'd, he'd be in the office for like twenty minutes and out again in the smoker shed. But um, but he was he was a really nice guy. He knew what he was talking about. He was um, his experience was in CAD. So um, all the engineers and stuff always came to him for advice. And uh, he, was, he was really cool. And uh, I remember one Christmas time, he um, he was just 
we were in this um, hotel called the Pinehurst in Dice, and he was just like, he was just going through copious glasses of red wine, and we're just thinking, you know, should we get you a taxi home? Like, you shouldn't be driving. And he, the thing is, he's, he said, I was totally fine. I'm, I'm totally fine. It's okay. You don't have to worry about me. And his countenance never changed. Like, he was still the same person in the office before he had any wine till the point now where he's filled with wine, but he, doesn't ha- doesn't, he hasn't changed anything. But the thing is, he drove home and he was totally fine, which we were quite shocked about. Um, <laughs> And uh, my next boss was a kind of mild-mannered man. Um, he, was, he was English, and uh, it was kind of, I remember it was kind of the time where um, Heidi and I were first sort of dating, so um, that's when you kind of text a lot. You know, being there where you just text a lot. Now I don't like get any text from Heidi. It's just like, it's a shopping list. <laughs> but, but, um, but then one time I'm just texting away to Heidi, and, then, and, and, and my old boss's way of telling me off is like, uh, do you have any work to do? And like, that was the way he did it. So I was just like, oh, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll put my phone away. But, but I didn't really know him that well um, because I was only there for three months. But my last boss, he's probably like my best and worst boss at the same time. <laughs> he was like a country boy. He's from the Brock. He's from Fraser Brack. He's like, you know, was like, a, you know, like a hard man. And like, he's, he's like a get it done kind of guy. And, and looking back on it now, he's probably, I guess, one of the best examples I've seen of somebody in terms of leading from the front, like what they say is what they actually want to achieve and they're hardworking and going to get it. So that was quite inspiring in that sense. But, but like he was like, kind of like me in that sense where okay, a little bit more, um, he had more colorful language than me, but, but we're both kind of dominant personalities. So when I was off my game, we would clash and then I'd have to sort of like, you know, repair the damage. But, but with all the different bosses I've had, all the different personalities, all the different backgrounds, all the different experience um, bases they have, they all had one thing in common. That their most significant conversations were held behind a closed door. They were held behind a closed door. It's the same with our lives. The most important conversations we have will be held behind a closed door. Yeah. It's this point of intimacy with God. Where there's nothing else around, nobody else matters. It's like us and God and no one else. This is the place where God wants to bring us. This is where the magic happens. Like Aaron talking this morning about how um, in Revelation, John was shown the, the picture of the throne room of heaven and it was filled with all these jewels. That is the room that God wants to take us to. That is in the closed door. Now, if you're in this place and you're thinking, how, how can I have a prayer life like that? How can I experience those kind of visions? How can I experience God and see God in that sort of way? But can I tell you, it just might be a draft. And you just might have to close the door. The opposite to a closed door is an open door. In other words, it's open to inter- interruption from outside influence. Jesus says this in verse 5. It says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of streets so that they may, be, they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. Now that word hypocrite, translated hypocrites in the Greek, means an actor assuming a role. Now Jesus says, if you play like someone is an actor assuming a role, then that is not something that gets you into the closed door, the, the, the intimate place that God wants to have with you, that open space that he has for you. 
It's like assuming a role like you're... Like, and this is, I guess this is what society is all about, where it's like we have this longing to be seen. Like, we have social media and you have, you know, um, you have different, different like, ways of life where it's all about performance. And performance isn't wrong, but it's just like we think we can perform our way into the throne room of God. Yeah. But that's not how we get there. You see, I, I don't know if you're um, like me, but I always had this kind of like, like thought about actors and how they're, like, they're always the weird ones at school if you hear their stories. And, well, everyone's playing football and everyone's like, you know, like at the, the dinner table, lunch table chatting. They're just in the corner assuming a role and they're like, you know, they're acting in different ways because they're <laughs> constantly trying to get themselves into character. Constantly trying to get themselves into character. And it's like, if you met them, if you met like the stars, like your favorite actors, like my favorite actors today are probably people like Tom Hardy, Leonardo DiCaprio of all time, maybe Al Pacino and Robert De Niro because of like Taxi Driver, what a film, um, Scarface, come on, and The Godfathers. And, and I'd love to meet these people, but then if I actually meet them, am I meeting the real them? Or am I just meeting someone they've decided to be today? Have I met their public persona? Have I met their, you know, have I met their, um, their mad Larry Monday sort of thing? <laughs> or sad Larry Monday? <laughs> but have I met the real them? And it's like that with us in terms of if we have not that connection with God. And God's just like, have I met the real you yet? Like God wants to see the real us. See, we're not to be actors assuming a role because that is, that's almost like you're, it's almost like lying to God in a way. Like, what is, what is acting? Acting is lying. Acting is pretending to be something you're not. But when we bring God, our real selves, into that intimate place that we're not trying to live to impress him, to, to get some stuff that, like, that he thinks is going to be acceptable, for our lives, no, no, we're we're actually going before him, being genuine, so he can reveal who he really is. Like Aaron was talking about the how Jesus was, um, he was in all his glory and a sword coming out of his mouth, with fiery eyes, and all this sort of stuff, bronze feet, and just and it's just like a like a like an a, like so like wow of God. And and the thing is, if we're so if we're wowed with God, then we won't like whatever we put on is just going to burn off us because it's like that's um, scripture says that our works will be tested by fire. So if whatever we try and put on. If it doesn't stand against our lives, that means the fire is basically refining it or just taking it completely off. Yeah. Yeah. One of the scriptures that um, I've held so um, dearly is Exodus um, 33 and 5 is where God is in the, in the, um, the wilderness and he's leading the people of, of, Egypt, of Israel. Sorry, and, he's, and he says to them, take off your ornaments so I know what to do with you. And it's like the things that we put on, we put on a show, we put on like a, a facade and all of a sudden it's God's just like, I don't know what to do with you. But when we take it off, that's when the chains of our lives fall off. Let's not be like actors assuming a role because God has something better for our lives than a role to play. You are part of something much bigger than just what you can make yourself become. Your life is actually a pathway for someone else's miracle. Do you know that? 
the friendships that you have, the people in your family, they're all people that can be, that can be recipients of the goodness of what you have to bring. God has made you an original. God has made you fantastic, fearfully and wonderfully made. So why would we die trying to put on someone that we're not? Let us be open to who we really are. So the key to an open heaven is actually a shut door. Verse 6 says this, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, we don't fight for the approval of other people. And and this is, this is something that it's not the easiest message to pray because everyone kind of like likes to be seen. Um, I liked how Aaron honored people this morning about, and most of the people he honored were people that are ne- not necessarily doing something that's seen. But the most important things in our lives are things that are actually unseen. I mean, I would be very worried if my guts became seen to you as I'm speaking. <laughs> I'd be very worried and like certain parts and whatever just um, came out like, there's things that are better unseen. <laughs> so let's not devalue the unseen. The unseen is actually what makes us. In fact, in a lot of ways, they're even more important. So we don't play for an audience. We're not like Christian class clowns. We only have an audience of one. And the audience of one is the one who knows you, who forms you, who knows every hair in your head, every cell in your body, everything that you will do, and everything that, you, that he has put in you, he has put there because he has a great plan for you. Everything that God has for you. So when you pray, you shut your door and you pray to the Father who's in secret. And I love that. The shut door keeps us from, which we have to understand, which is why, I guess, sometimes it's hard to pray. I mean, I heard of, I think it was Craig Urgell, he was talking about a time where, like, he's like a, um, he was known to be like a diehard workaholic. And one time he was saying that his, his therapist, because he went to therapy twice, and he's saying his therapist was telling him to, Stay in a room, alone on your own, and think about God for five minutes and nothing else. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Think about somebody that has that much influence and anointing, couldn't sit alone for five minutes thinking about God. And it's a challenge for us, because the shut door, we have distractions. You know, people's opinions sometimes matter to us, don't they? Like, we make decisions based on what our mother would say, what our father would say, or what our boyfriend or girlfriend would say. And then the, the distractions and the, um, the distractions taking us from what we're focusing on into something else that's not quite where we need to go. Distractions lead to detours which lead to the wrong destinations. So we shut the door and it protects us. From these things that try to take away from what God is really trying to show us. God is trying to show you the heavens and the eternal riches that he's got for you. When we shut the door, we actually go into that place of eternal value. That there's treasures that God is only going to reveal to you. Like he's not going to show someone else because it's in you. It's your private place that he's got. And I find this in my life where I have to be so comfortable in the private place. I have to be so comfortable seeking God. And I have to be so comfortable, I mean, probably speaking to the wrong audience here, but as a leader, you have to be so comfortable doing something no one else is doing. And I say that because 
It's out of the secret place that gives you the new ideas, the new ways to break through, the new ideas to, to take something to the next level. You're not copying other people. No, you're, you're actually revealing the true identity that God has given for you. This is found in the secret place. This is where you get your innovation. This is where you get your energy. This is where you get your excitement to pray. It's actually when you spend more time with God. And it's like how, um, how Pastor Kevin preached a while ago. He said that your hunger for the right things will make you want more. When you've been in the secret place with God, that's a place you want to be. That's a place you want to start every day. That's the thing you want to do and tell your friends about because it's like, man, I just, I've heard this from God. I was reading the scriptures and he showed me this. I prayed for this person. This happened. It's like, that's the stuff that gets us excited. But we have to be in that place where we're willing to receive from him. And why we get dry, this is why if our, if, and sometimes you can get so distracted and so worked up in all the things we do, but if our output exceeds our input, then we move from momentum to maintenance. Now I'll say that again. If your output, the things that you do, exceeds your input, the things that you receive from God in the private place, where it's only you and Him, then whatever excitement you have, momentum, great ideas, creativity, then moves to maintenance where you're just trying to keep the ball rolling. God didn't make his church for maintenance. He made it to multiply. Your lives are here to multiply. There's this thing going around, um, maybe not so much in Britain, but certainly America, this whole thing called being better at 70. You know... (laughs) When I think of being better at 70, like, can I play football at 70? No, I cannot. Can I, can I bench press or do whatever at 70? No, I cannot. But, but the thing is about being better at 70 is your life continually moves from stage of momentum to momentum. And you're actually bu- building and developing as you go. Yeah. You're not moving into retirement. You're actually moving to a greater place of multiplication. When you grow, you're better at 70 when you have that continual space with God so you can hear fresh revelation about where he wants to take you, what he wants to do through you, not just what he wants to speak to you, but what he wants to do in your life. Better at 70 because our lives are a crescendo. They're always climbing. They're always increasing because we're with God. When we're connected with God, there is actually no redundancy. So you have to be comfortable with being in that intimate place with him. Because that's where you get your creativity. To do something no one else is doing. Because nobody, nobody sometimes like, they, they don't, people don't big up these things sometimes. Because it's like, it's kind of boring. All you prayed, it's like, really? It's like, well, I played Xbox. What? You know, so it's, but the thing is, it's so exciting because the new, every new idea I get, it comes from prayer, time with God. Yeah. That's where you get your innovation, your reinvention, and that's how you become better at 70. That's how you get better as you grow older. That's how you get better the more you live life with God. The more you live your life, you actually increase in your capacity. Better at 70. And your private devotion leads to your public demonstration. Jesus said, Everything I see the Father doing, that's what I do. In other words, what he saw God doing in private, he then did publicly. It's the same with your life. Your private devotion, your practice, your diligence, your exercise, all these things do is you're, you're leading to a place of public demonstration. 
know, there's, a, there's an adage in training where you say, um, in, in combat sports, you train hard, you fight easy. What they're saying is, what I do in the private is going to make it so much easier when it comes to actually acting it out. When actually doing it. So when we close the door, we have a privacy. Nobody else matters. Nobody's in this space. It's only me and God. He shows me him. It's, it's wisdom from above. It's first pure. So I can he- receive pure wisdom from God. And that's what comes and leads to creativity. That's what makes me stronger than my circumstance. Like Laura was saying, we're not focusing on the storms. I'm actually seeing the Savior. He's giving me revelation. He's giving me strength. He's actually re- bringing life to my bones. That's where I get my strength. That's where I get my encouragement and my new ideas of how I'm going to tackle this life. It's an open heaven. An open heaven from a private devotion. Do not, do not negotiate on private devotion because then you limit your open heaven. And your open heaven affirms your position. Verse 9, it says this. In this manner, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. My Father in heaven. Now, I guess that Father isn't an emotionally neutral term. But in all cases, it means family. When you can approach God as Father, and knowing that he's a Father in heaven, not an earthly Father. But Father in heaven that he knows your name. He actually sits over your life. Not as somebody who's trying to boss you around or whatever. He's actually giving you something better than that. He's giving you relationship. He's actually giving you intimacy. It's our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. It's like he is giving himself to you as Father. It's an approach. It affirms your position. If God is your Father, then what does that make you? Makes you a child of God. This is your position. Not as somebody has to earn their approval. You don't have to earn God's approval today. You get to live in God's family. Yeah. That is awesome. You get to live in his family. This is your position. As a blood-bought child of God, you are his kids. And it also ensures your provision. Verse 10 says this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before it even goes on to give us this day, our daily bread. I mean, for my life, that was one of the prayers I prayed every day. Um, a few years ago, as a young adult, and um, I used to pray Proverbs 30 and verse 8 and 9. It said, Lord, keep falsehood and lies far from me, but give me only my daily bread, lest I um, have too much and forget you and say, who is God? Or, or that I have too little and be forced to steal and profane the name of God. I prayed that every day. It kept me, it kept me sure in whatever season I'm in. But there's something further than that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like food for you is for God's kingdom to come. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said in John 4, when, when I think it was after he spoke to a woman at a well. Is that right? Um, okay, it might be right. Um, for, for John 4, and, um, and he was saying... When the, the disciples came back to him and he hadn't eaten anything, he's like, Master, you have no food. Then Jesus said, I have food that you do not know about. And then he says later, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Yeah. See, in the secret place, 
you know who your father is and who he's making you by what he tells you. And what he tells you is who he's forming you into be. It's not about getting you to do something. It's actually revealing who he's made you to be. And the more you do his will, the more you act in the way he's leading you, the more you see about you. Word of God is like a mirror. The more we, the more we look at it, the more we see ourselves. And it's like if we see the kingdom of God, if we see his will, then we know what our part is and we know how good following his will is because the more we follow it, the more we want to. And it's like food for us. Like, I've spoken to many people who, um, like, about my life, and I used to, like, train, like, MMA and do all this sort of stuff, and, and I found, like, I just, I found this putting it away. Not that it was wrong, but I found that God was calling me into something greater. Yeah. And it's like, well, do you miss it? And do you miss it? I'm like, well, yeah, sort of, but my food is to do the will of God. Yeah. I found something so much more wholesome than trying to get my own way. I found that if I, if I walk with God and pray with God, I find that he reveals something in me that I would not see any other way. God brings me to a more complete person that I could have never been if I don't follow his will. It actually keeps me going. You find when you follow God, you'll always be provided for. When you think you're going into a season of lack, you actually find that he is with you every step of the way. So my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Then it goes on to say this in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. You don't need more than what you need for today. It's kind of like I was saying before. Sometimes we long for so much that it just it, it suffocates what we're here to do. Jesus said to the rich young ruler to sell all he had so then he would have treasure in heaven. But he was so sad because he had a lot of treasure here on earth. The truth is, the treasure actually had him. So give us this day our daily bread. Your best prayer is don't give me so much stuff that I I just forget why I'm here. I've seen so many great musicians, so many talented people that get so surrounded and so shrouded by the, by the, um, by the glamour of what they've got that they just don't realize that was God that gave them the gift. And then they're in some land where they don't even know where they are. But so give me this day my daily bread. Don't give me so much riches that I would think I don't need you, God. Don't give me so much, don't give me so little that I may feel that, God, you're not there. It's like, give me my daily bread so I can live this life in a sense of peace. So I can live my life knowing that I'm actually equipped for the day and even more. Give me this day my daily bread. And also, the open heaven over our lives. It guarantees our protection. Verse 12, it says this. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness, it's like what Jesus says to pray for your enemies. Because enemies have so much power over us, right? We We don't think it sometimes. We think we can sometimes move from a circumstance, but somehow the circumstance follows us. But it's forgiveness. Whatever happens to you, you carry with you. The old is gone, the new has come. But when we don't forgive, the old follows us. We don't let go of our past, it comes with us. 
But when you forgive, you're saying, I don't need to carry that anymore. It's actually protection. Forgiveness protects you from the offenses that happen to you. Also protects you from the sin that you commit as well. Whatever you do, if you don't forgive yourself, it stays with you. It's something that holds you, but you don't need to hold it because your protection is in the open heaven that comes when you allow God to move in your life, in your circumstances, in your situations. There's a protection that comes from God when you forgive. So as we forgive our debtors, because as we are forgiven, it's, it's like we have to forgive. It's like we cannot give what we don't have. But if we're children of God, we have forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. See, a church isn't for people who've got it all together. It's actually for people who don't have it all together. But Jesus actually, we, we recognize the need for Jesus to correct things in our lives, to sort our hearts so that we can live this life more effectively and more purposefully. It's, that's, that's what church is for. Church is for forgiven people, not for perfect people. So it's only right that we forgive others as well. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I'll end here, if the keys can come up. Deliver us from the evil one. See, you have permission to make heaven a reality on earth. You have the authority to say to this mountain, move, and it will move. You have the power given to you by God to see anything that comes against your life, any sickness, any, any, any money situation, any family problem. You have the authority to bring heaven into that situation. Can I tell you there's no sickness in heaven? Can I tell you there's no disarray in heaven? There's, there's no pain in heaven. You have the authority to take that perfect heaven and put it into your earth. You actually, God is saying to you, whatever's in heaven, this is yours. You can do this because I have given you permission. You are my child. Everything I have is yours. You can do this because I have given you the authority. Father, forgive us for thinking that we are less than a son, less than a daughter. Tomorrow is going to be different. Do you want to know why? Because the heavens will open over your day. The heavens will open over your life. When the heavens open, you're not going to think, oh crap, it's Monday again. You're going to be thinking, yes, it's Monday again. Let's shift something. Let's move something. Let's see something happen of the miraculous nature in my life. With God in your life, there is no day that is just ordinary. It's actually flipping awesome. You can do so much with an open heaven over your life. So let's shut the door in our doubts. Shut the door in our, our, on our, on our discouragements, our discrepancies, and all these things. We shut the door and we release the open heaven that's available over our life. The open heaven is the oxygen which keeps you going. It's what keeps God a reality rather than the storms that happen. It's what keeps you in the right place. Deuteronomy 28 and 13 says, you are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. This is because of the open heaven. Following the slipstream of God's grace. This is what happens when you follow God. 
You get an open heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive me of my debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That's the result of someone who knows their place in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God makes you a champion. Kingdom of God makes you a boss, commanding the realities of heaven to invade the realities you see on earth. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.